also caused a lot of reflection to the practices that we had in place before and what worked and what didn't work. And so what I have found just so much in, in leadership and in schooling in general is that never has there been a more pertinent time to lead with heart. Yo, yo, what's up? Hopefully you like the new intro. I'm taking some of the audio from the podcast and just looping it on the intro, trying to get a little higher level here on the podcast. Super excited. Amy Lunsford, principal and uh, current president of IASP, the Indiana Association of School Principals. Hey, I was also thinking today I signed a uh, hundred copies of my books, 50 of Kids Deserve It and 50 of Teachers Deserve It. I still can't believe that this summer will be the sixth year anniversary of my first book, Kids Deserve It, coming out into the world. It's been such an awesome journey having sold hundreds of thousands of copies. If you're looking for a book for the summer to read uh, by yourself or with your team or your entire school or, hey, your entire district, uh, we do bulk bulk order, bulk discounts, just reach out to me uh, directly and I can put you in contact with my publisher so we can get you some discounts and some books. And hey, also, as we're talking about the summer, if you're looking for a uh, kickoff keynote or professional development, or I got a bunch of ed tech conferences this summer. I still have openings at the end of July, August, and uh, September. <clears throat> Excuse me, things are kind of kicking off a little bit late this year, I think, just with uh, everything that's happening in our world. I still have uh, openings, so just reach out directly, mradamwelcome.com backslash speaking, or you can just email me too, adamwelcome at gmail. I would love to work with you and your team and your organization. And now onto the podcast, you are going to enjoy this one, I think, very much because I really enjoyed talking with Amy all about books, 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 books. Hey, enjoy. Thanks for listening. Amy Lunsford, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Hey, Adam. So great having you on. If you're not following and connected with Amy, go to Twitter right now, PrinceIPal99. I'm going to link it in the show notes, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L-99. Did you graduate from high school in 1999? Is that what that I means? I graduated from college. In oh, no. Okay, not too, only, only, only four years off. I'm class of 97 high school, class of 2000 college. Okay. I finished okay, early. So we're, we're right about the same age. Uh, elementary principal, also current president of IASP. That's Indiana Association of School Principals. Uh, NASP member, and uh, we were just kind of tweeting about books. And I said, Amy, come on the podcast and uh, let's talk about books. But before we get into the books, just introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, where you're from. And uh, yeah, let's go from there. Yeah. So I'm super excited to be here with you today, Adam. Um, been listening to your podcast for a while and, you know, you have all these great leaders on. And so when you asked me to join, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be like the nobody of the school district podcast. <laughs> so this could like open up great big doors for me. This is huge. Um, I, yeah, just live in the dream of school principal every day. So I happen to think that it's the best seat in the house. I love what I do. Um, you know, I always want to be loose fisted with that position because I always want to be open to what's next and where I'm supposed to be going, where, where I feel like God's leading me in terms of leadership. But um, currently just trying to navigate what it looks like coming out of a pandemic and 
opening things up. So as far as IESP goes, I love the plug there. Um, I do get to serve this year as president of that organization. And it's been a huge honor and privilege for me. I feel like I kind of was raised by IASP as a leader, as a new administrator. They were the organization that really just fed into me a lot and gave me a lot of the PD that I received as a, a new incoming um, principal. And so getting to serve has been great. Uh, just a plug to, serve, to make sure you're joining your uh, state organizations and your national organizations because the PD and the networking that you get through that is like none other. And it's nice to be able to tag colleagues when you have a problem, but it's super great to be able to reach, you know, I have a phone call later this week with a friend from Alabama because we're looking at some leadership stuff um, for a leadership academy and he's already gone through that. And so he's gonna walk us through what it looked like and what his journey was. So the networking is great and uh, the PD that those organizations provide is top notch. I cannot agree more. My state organization, and I'm just gonna say the national organization NASP has done so much for me, absolutely changed my life. We were talking before the show, my first NAESP conference seven years ago in Long Beach, literally changed my life in so many ways. Another plug, if you're not going to Louisville this summer for the NASP conference, it's gonna be off the chain. Louisville is a great town, great speakers. And like you said, great connections. I've often found, I love the speakers. I mean, hey, I'm a speaker, but I love the speakers in the sessions but I've learned more sometimes in the hallways yeah. and before the conference. And then after the conference, like 3 a.m. and you're at a restaurant just talking to new people from Warsaw, Indiana, or from Alabama, or from California, or, uh, or whatever it is. So yeah, NASP.org, log on, sign up, get connected. If you're not a member, the fees are so, so affordable for NASP. Just, um, it's really great. So you are an avid reader. We have, I think, a lot of commonalities, but that reading piece is, is one of them. We're recording this on March 14th. I've already read 17 books this, this oh. year so far, and you read like over 50 last year. That's kind of where we started the messaging. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. At one year, I set a goal of reading 60, and I'm not going to lie, I about killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot like, of books. I set this goal. I'm going to meet this goal. Um, by the skin of my teeth, I made it. And I may or may not have not read a book for a little while in the next <laughs> year. But yeah, I just think, you know, what's the whole adage of like, you are the five book, the five best books that you read, the five people you hang around with the most. There's so much truth to that. And mm -hmm. there, there's so much to learn. And I, you know, we're too busy to be able to go to conferences all the time and take in speakers all the time. I love to do that, of course, but reading is the number one way that I feel like I'm growing myself personally, spiritually, educationally, professionally, all of that. Yeah. I love what you just said. There is too much to learn to not read. And I, I feel the same way. I remember I got my love of reading from my dad. I was a very reluctant reader as a kid. And he just kept introducing books, introducing books. And then finally, Roald Dahl was the author that really, that really hooked me. And I remember him reading these books that were like four inches thick, like Winston Churchill autobiographies, like five volumes. And I was just so much in awe. And then I got that bug and just haven't put books down since. Before we get into the recommendations, because Amy, you have some recommendations. I have some recommendations. Yeah. The number one question people ask me, because I will share on a weekly basis, just finished this book. These are the next three I'm reading, or I just finished another one. The most common question people ask me, how do you find time 
to read. And it's not even to read so much. It's how do you find time to read? How do you find time to read, Amy? What are some strategies yeah. and some ideas to, to not work it into your life, but just make it a part of your life? Yeah, it's definitely just become a part of who I am. A total, total book nerd. Um, and I think two things have been big for me. Number one is that I don't go anywhere without a book. So like I'm waiting in the waiting room at a doctor's appointment or wherever, you know, get my oil change. Like I've got a book in the car. I've got a book um, waiting for a meeting to start and everyone's there. But, you know, I might read three pages. I just I'm constantly have a book with me and ready to read. And a lot of times what I'm reading, I'm so interested in, like, I just have this excitement to, oh, I got to get a few more pages in. I want to see what's happening or I want to learn about, you know, whatever it is that is um, the hot topic. And then I'm also a biggie of, I listen to books and I read books. So um, I kind of do my professional reading with a real book. I love to have a real book. I'm, I'm not really a techie book person, but there's something about um, listening to a book that I feel like helps me leverage time. So I've got, you know, that audible app on my phone and I'm listening when I'm taking long trips. So, you know, I might take a two and a half hour drive and I'm knocking out a huge chunk of a book that would take me, you know, hours to read at home. So yeah, those are two things that are really big for me. Yeah, I've never listened to an audible book or a recorded book ever. Even my first book, it. Kids Deserve It, we, we did the audio. I've never listened to it. My parents used to do books on tape when I yeah. was a kid. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you, anybody, I know I got to get into the whole audible piece. I'm going to throw out just one tip that I have. I love it. I don't go anywhere without a book either. Um, I do the same for my kids. My daughter's an avid reader. My son is like me. He's a reluctant reader, but I just don't watch a lot of TV. And basically yeah. I don't, I just don't watch pretty much any TV other than like sporting events. I just don't watch TV. And I think so much you can, you can gain so much time back by, well, just don't watch that, that show and people binge watch these episodes. Um, and that's, that's reading time right there, or just take part of it away. So let's get into the book recos, Amy, you're right. first. Uh, hey, summer's approaching, maybe your spring break is approaching, or you've already had spring break, but going into summer or just going into life, what is your first book recommendation? Okay, so I love Cy Wakeman. I don't know if you've read any of Cy Wakeman's stuff, but her book, No Ego, is a great read and it's great from a leadership perspective for sure and it can carry over not just in the educational realm but i think actually she's from like the healthcare um industry so uh great tips just on how to lead with pushing ego back and challenging ego so that it doesn't get in the way of the good work that we're trying to do but very, very applicable even to like your family situation so that's mine. What's your number one, Adam? Got it. I don't know that book. I've read Ego is the Enemy. Yeah, by, I have that one too. By Ryan Holiday. I just yes. finished Courage is Calling. And then another one of his books, really, really, really great. Um, okay, I don't know No Ego. I'm going to check it out. The first one I'm going to recommend is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Ooh, good one. By Patrick Lencioni. It that book came out like, I think 10 years ago. It's still a number one bestseller in its category. And I've read that book numerous times. I've gifted that book numerous times. 
And it's a business, quote unquote, business book, but it just, it's applicable to life. It's applicable to life as an educator, to just being a neighbor, being a human being. Um, A couple added facts about that is they have a great podcast called The Table Group Podcast. Um, Another added fact was I actually drove by Patrick Lencioni this morning coming from the grocery store. He lives a town away and actually his offices are in the hometown where I live. Uh, I've never like met him in person, but I've actually, I've passed him a couple of times. I'm like, oh, there's Pat Lencioni. What's up, dude? Doesn't know who I am, but I'm a big fan. So the five dysfunctions of a team, no matter what you do in your job, you're going to get something from that book. All right, Amy, number two, what's your, uh, what's your second one? So I'm a big uh, girl fan of Brene Brown. And so Dare to Lead is obviously a super one. I actually think I've read that book like three times because there's so much in it. You just can't, you can't read it once and get it all. Um, Use that so much like in staff meetings and even with parents and just different things that I'm doing with leadership myself. Um, But I'll also say that I finished her newest book, Atlas of the Heart. And I kind of feel like that needs to be uh, like a textbook for life because it just talks through all of these emotions and, you know, not only what those emotions are and identifying them, but what causes those emotions in us. And then how do we deal with those emotions, not just for ourselves, but when other people exhibit that emotion that we are around. So yeah, love Brene. When you started talking about, when you said the word girl or woman, I knew you were going to say Brene Brown. She is the most talked about person in books on this podcast. Brene and I haven't talked. We haven't hung out in a while. I'm just kidding. I don't know Brene Brown. (laughs) Brene, if you're listening, I would love, if somebody that's listening knows Brene Brown, I've reached out to her. I've messaged to get her on the podcast because she literally, I think this is like episode 123. She is talked about like on every third episode of this podcast. I've read Dare to Lead. I have not read Atlas of the Heart. I need to uh, I need to go check it out. Okay, my next are two books because they're kind of a series. And these are meant for, I would say, children, older, like fifth grade, middle school. But as an adult, I love them. The War That Saved My Life and The War That I, the war I Finally Won by Kim Brubaker Bradley. Um, the war I saved my life is actually a Newberry honor winner. It's absolutely amazing. I'm holding up the cover right now for Amy. You all can't see it because this is just a podcast and the premise of it takes, takes place during world war two. And there's a mom and these two kids that live in Britain and the girl, the older daughter was born with a club foot and the mom is not a good human being. She's not nice. She's rude. She's ridicules the girl. The girl can't leave the house. So during World War II, this is actual facts. A lot of kids, most of the children got sent to the countryside because the Germans were bombing World War, uh, bombing downtown London, and they wanted to save the kids. Well, they get placed in this home and this woman that um, they're placed with, the daughter and the son, um, just develop into this great relationship. And Um, It's absolutely amazing. And then the second one is the war I finally won. My daughter actually read them first, my 11-year-old voracious reader. And then I read them. I've recommended them a ton. And I think too, everyone listening, going into summer, it's important to not always read books that you're going to learn from and that are heavy. It's important to read books that, like you, Amy, said, 
last year you read 50 something books and you had to take a break or, you know, your brain, you yeah. know, those brain breaks, those brain break books, I think are important. So yes. those are, I'm those are my. So hoping that I get some ideas for beach reads coming up in the next couple of weeks. Cause we go on spring break the first week of April. And that's my big thing. Like I take books with me, but they don't have anything to do with professional <laughs> leadership, anything. I just want some good stuff to escape with. hundred percent. All right. What do you got? What's next? Okay. So my next route is I love a good biography. So I feel like I have had opportunities to like meet people and like sit at the table with them who I have never ever um, been in the same room with, but um, three biographies that I have really enjoyed um, or autobiographies that I've really enjoyed recently. Um, so I just finished Katie Couric's book, um, Go With It or Going There, that's it, Going, going There. Um, Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, so good. And speaking of um, listening to books, if you're going to read that book, you so need to listen to it because he reads it and he's just great to listen to tell his own story. So, and then the third one, um, Barack Obama's book, The Promised Land. So just really great ones to get insight about what makes people tick and, and why they, you know, maybe have gone professional routes that they've gone or made decisions that they have in those professional realms and their personal life. So I love a good biography. Yeah, I haven't read Katie Couric. I love her. And I've heard amazing things about green lights too. Oh, you so, so have. okay, that I needs have. to be your beginning, like, Audible <laughs> book for real. Okay, he reads it in his southern accent. It's so good. Oh yeah, and he's just hilarious, he and he's just, he's just got good vibes and good yeah. mojo. I love it. Uh, I read Promised Land by uh, President Obama, and I agree that one that one was great. So okay, my next one is Moneyball by Michael Lewis. Do you know Moneyball, or have you Not heard of Moneyball? This okay. This book, I think, is one of the most underrated books that's not used enough in education. It's a true story. Here's the premise. There's a book. There's actually a movie about it with Brad Pitt, and it's about the Oakland A's, the baseball team. And the premise of it is uh, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Bean, who's a real person, was a professional baseball player, retired and became the general manager of the Oakland A's. And if you're a baseball fan, the Oakland A's are in a really big market, but their team has never been that great. The owners don't spend a lot of money. Well, Billy came in and just revolutionized how he looked at choosing players and drafting players and how the game of baseball has been played. Baseball is an old game and it's archaic and there's so many different ways that it connects to education of doing things the way we've always done them. Now, here's just one example, Amy. In Moneyball, true story, the, the scouts that go and scout players, they would talk about how a player looked. Oh, he looks, he's got the look. Oh. He's got a good jaw. He's going to be a good player, which has zero to do with anything about playing on the field. And I just think, I just think it's such a pivotal book when you think about education and doing school differently. I think school has gotten better, but I think there are still so many huge gaps in how we prepare teachers and how we build schools and the bell schedules and curriculum and why we're trying to teach so many standards that kids never even use in life my daughter's in fifth grade. How many times have you had to add fractions with unlike denominators? My daughter's learning that right now. And I couldn't even teach that when I was a fifth grade teacher. It was so hard. So Moneyball, 
that is there's 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 bad language in that book just be prepared people that are listening um but so pivotal on so many levels and if you don't want to read the book watch the movie obviously the book goes way deeper but um awesome awesome book that's so funny i was thinking to myself when you said that isn't that a movie mm -hmm. it is <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah yes what do you got amy you got any more books talk to me okay yeah so the next one that i'm going to recommend is um probably something that could be a little bit um controversial but i never shy away from situations that you know, we face on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I, um, gosh, sorry, the lights go off in my office and I just have to like wave my hands because they're motion. <laughs> um, so probably, I don't know, five or six years ago, maybe I had uh, my first transgender student in school. And, you know, navigating that can be um, hard from so many different angles. It can be hard, certainly, as you're trying to um, advocate for a student and what's best for them and, and their well-being. It's hard sometimes to reconcile um, with your own thoughts and beliefs. And so someone recommended to me the book, This Is How It Always Is. And it's, it's actually just a novel about um, a family that is very professional um, parents. I think they're in the healthcare field um, and they have five boys, four or five boys. And the youngest one um, from a very early age uh, just identifies as a girl. And they, it, it takes you through their journey and you know the things that they wrestled with and the things that they observed in their child. And it really helped me as a leader navigating this for a student, um, understand things from the other side. And so, um, you know, I know I have so many conversations with people that ask questions outside of education, like, oh, do you have any transgender students? How do you deal with that? Da, da, da. And I think, you know, if, if you wrestle with that and you're wondering, um, wondering just about that topic, I highly recommend this is how it always is. Yeah, I don't think that's controversial at all because that is real life. And I'm so yeah. glad that you brought up that title and in that book. And I think those resources for leaders and teachers and community members and school board members, uh, superintendents is just important. And, uh, you know, I see it everywhere. I'm sure you do all means all and everybody and how they come to us, however they, uh, however they may be or however they may have been born. Um, it's important to to accept all. So thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing that one up. Uh, the next one I have is, um, I think a great book, uncomfortable conversations with a black man, Emmanuel Acho. Do you know that book? I know that book. Well, yes. Good. So one. this started as a YouTube channel after George Floyd was murdered and he he had Matthew McConaughey on there. He actually, Matthew McConaughey actually found Emmanuel's phone number and called him. It was like, hey, Emmanuel, it's uh, Matthew McConaughey. I want to come on your YouTube channel because he just started talking about it. And I know like the early the early episodes, my wife and I would watch. We'd watch with our kids and um, just learning and diving in. And then uh, Oprah called Emmanuel and said, uh, Emmanuel, write a book. And he's like, okay. So um, the book is a little bit redundant from the YouTube channel and the conversation. So if you've seen all of his videos, which I think he probably has a dozen or so, the book's going to be a little bit more redundant, but he does go a little bit deeper. But if you haven't seen the YouTube videos, then the book is great. And um, just a really good book that I've read a couple of times that I've gifted a few times to, uh, to just read and learn and open up conversations. I remember one, one video that he has on there, he actually sat down with an entire police department and talked about 
policing. And it was just a fascinating conversation and just a really important, um, I think, learning opportunity. Uh, I know for me and my family and our community. So that's my, that's my next one. Uh, I have one more after this. Do you have any more book recos, Amy? She's yeah. like, are you kidding me? We could podcast for, for like real. hours. For days. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What do you got okay, next? Okay. I'll do one. I'll do one more. This is my last one. So I will say crucial conversations. Um, you know, as a leader, obviously as a new leader, nobody gives you, you know, the, you, you don't take crucial conversations 101 in college anywhere. And you only get good at those by not being intimidated by them and, and just navigating them. But crucial conversations is a great book that kind of walks you through how to navigate those with heart and, you know, do them in a manner that, um, shows dignity to those that you have to have hard conversations with especially if maybe something is wrong on, on that end, um, but also do it in a way that uh, is solution-minded. And so that is a book that I read. I took um, a staff through a, a book study of that and really just kind of became the way of almost terminology. Like it's time, we need to have a crucial conversation about this. Um, and it's a go-to book that like, I'll get off the shelf and even think before I need to have a really crucial conversation. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this again and just make sure I'm taking some time to navigate this well in my talking points and in my preparation for it before that, that conversation actually takes place. Yeah, I dig it. I took a class years ago on difficult conversations and, um, you know, however we want to talk about them, crucial or difficult, just, you know, conversations that may typically be uncomfortable for people. It's, uh, it's, it's good to just role play and to talk about it and see those situations and, uh, and go from there. Okay. My last book was really actually my first education book that I ever read that was post-college. I don't actually remember any of the books that I read in college because they were all these textbook, uh, you know, Piaget and Vygotsky that theoretically make like no applicable sense to like what we're doing. Um, I was at UCLA for a, a new principal week-long thing. Um, and I read, I heard about Todd Whitaker and I ordered What Great Principles Do Differently. And it it not, I wouldn't say it changed my life, but it was so much validation for what I had done as an assistant principal. And then it was actually the, it was the summer before I took over my first school as principal. I already been an assistant principal and just validation with what I wanted to do. And it reminded, it made me feel like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. What I'm thinking and what I want to do is important. And he's written a bunch, what great teachers do differently. And I think it's like on the seventh version of what great principals do differently. Follow Todd Whitaker on social media. He has been around for a long time, but he's still super relevant. Um, I've met him in person. He's an awesome guy. He is how he portrays himself and how he writes. So what great principles do differently is, uh, is an awesome book. I think we need to record another episode about great books that principals Picture books, principals should be reading with kids. What do you think about oh, that? That's a great one. Yes. 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 I have boxes. Stash. What's that? I've got a stash. Yeah. I have boxes of picture books uh, from when my days as a principal and I still, before the show, I was telling Amy, I still do substitute principal jobs and I'm always bringing books. And while I'm subbing, I'm like, anybody want me to read a book to them? And, and, and kids, uh, kids absolutely dig it. Well, Amy, I've loved talking about books. I'm so glad that I reached out and that 
you said yes. And um, we were able to talk yeah. about books. Um, I love to amplify the voices of my guests. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to you, Amy, elementary school principal, current president of Indiana Association of School Principals, doing the work with teachers and kids. What would you just like to say to all the school leaders and educators and staff members out there that listen to this podcast? Oh, gosh. You know, I think the biggest thing that I would say is um, we, we all know times have changed, right? The pandemic has brought this huge shift just in the way we do, we do life. Um, but it's also caused a lot of reflection to the practices that we had in place before and what worked and what didn't work. And so what I have found just so much in, in leadership and in schooling in general is that never has there been a more pertinent time to lead with heart. And, you know, we have a lot of decisions that we make on a day-to-day -day basis. We do have many crucial conversations that we have to carry out with, with students, with parents, with teachers, with colleagues. Um, but there, you know, I think I read a, um, a post on Twitter, I think recently that talked about, there's never a conversation that's so tough that you can't navigate, take the time to navigate it politely. And so I just think the, the heart behind what we're doing and making sure that we're getting it right with the people that we work alongside or we're sitting across from is so important. And in a time when there's a mental health crisis nationwide and we're advocating so often, not just for students, but also for educators from a social emotional perspective, we have to make sure that what we're doing we're doing, we're doing with heart. And, and sometimes I think people think that sounds so soft, but Adam, I think there's this reality to the fact that there is nothing soft about leading with heart. You have to be, you have to be grounded. You have to be centered. You have to know that, you know, that, you know, and you also have to know what you don't know and be okay with it and be vulnerable in front of people. And so I think, um, that's just my charge to educators and leaders right now is, you know, it's great when we know our stuff, but I challenge you to make sure that you know how to handle the heart of people just as much as you know your practice. Amy Lunsford, Principal99 on Twitter. Go follow her. I'm going to link your social in the show notes. And I'm also going to, I'm not going to link, I'm just going to list all the books that we talked about No Ego, Dare to Lead, Atlas of the Heart, Katie Couric, Matthew McConaughey, Green Lights, Barack Obama, Promised Land. This is how it always is. Crucial Conversations, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, The War That Saved My Life, The War I Finally Won, Moneyball, Uncomfortable, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, What Great Principles Do Differently. Amy Lunsford, it is so fun chatting with you. We are going to schedule another episode to talk solely about children's books because if we want kids to be readers as adults, we, the adults in the lives of kids, need to be reading books, need to be talking about books, need to have books around. If kids don't have books around them in their life, they're not going to make that a habit. Make reading a habit in your life and it will just become and sustain a natural tendency to, like you said, always have a book with you. Amy, thank you again. Everyone listening, thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks, Adam.